I need an introduction. Would you introduce me? <laughs> From the heart. This is Rabbi Yomto Blazer. He is a mega tzaddik. So don't say anything nice about me. <laughs> Just share, share your love. Share uh, from your heart. I have a tremendous respect for him. He is a huge reason why I started becoming observant again. Uh, he has background in psychology uh, and uh, Kabbalah and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, it's Rabbi Blazer. He's a good guy. Well, of all my introductions, that was by far the most recent. <laughs> I'm doing. Uh, I'm setting myself up to video this because many years ago, when uh, one day, one day I woke up at. Uh, no, I'm getting it ready. One day I woke up at. Um, one day I woke up at Asian Torah and like 30, 40 kids each day in the class and. And I look around and I start noticing, the, I look at the, all these guys and I said to myself, I'm going to bring this over there, I need that to hold the phone. And I look at all the guys there and I say to myself, everyone in this room was raised from. And this was many years ago. And, and so I decided to take a poll, I said, raise your hand if you are raised from. And, and uh, you know, 38 out of 40 people raised their hand. And I said, that's it. The next time I saw taught a shear, I went on to Facebook Live, and I um, went on to Facebook Live, and I I just hit record, and uh, and the rest was history. And over the years, many many people watch it. They got transposed then to YouTube. They got transposed to Tor anytime. And um, and in the end, Rokhshem, do you want to just check the angle? Hold it up for now and then maybe bring it down slowly. Anyway, so just the other day I was on my way out to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai with my wife and kids. And, the, um, and my kids were marveling at the fact that we get to just be cruising up Eric's Israel going to Rabbi Shimon. And, and meanwhile, like, from, the, from loud music in my van, with all my kids having a blast going up north, people are listening to Shurim all over the world because of this. Now, if you're wondering why me discovering that 38% of the people in the class were 38 out of 40 people were from, what that had to do with my camera was, what it meant was we're no longer doing Kiruv here. And since we're no longer doing Kiruv, and I committed, and I'm a real committed Talmud of Rav Noach Weinberg. Inreach is beautiful, but I was raised to do outreach, so I'm gonna make sure that this is that I'm reaching out to people who are unaffiliated. And the best way to do that would be on cyberspace, is put it online and put it out there. Believe me, I love my live audience each day. Having a live audience keeps you animated. You know, the ideas are flowing. So this was the best live audience you could have, not to mention they were getting a lot out of it. And I would tell you that now that it's some 15 years later, um, a lot of the, I would say the majority of people that I got feedback from that really made a difference for was people race observing. Um, running into, you know, meeting people on 13th Avenue, it was like paparazzi from 
all the people watching the videos. And thankfully, at Tori any time, they created a, a Froom portal for people who didn't want to have YouTube or whatever. Whatever that they have, uh, they can watch on tour anytime. A lot of these share. Uh, that was one of the most influential moments was switching to cameras. And I begged the Asia tour guys. I was like, my the other rabbit was like, go on video, just start videoing. Like, why would you speak to ten when you can speak to a thousand? But that fell on deaf ears. At, at one point, I, I asked the Asia, the Asia management. I said. Why don't you guys just video all the classes professionally? And like, well, we don't know what people might say. <laughs> like, we're your rabbis. Like, what do you mean what we might say? We're saying it anyway, you know. Like, what, what are you so worried about? Anyway, but the other very influential moment of my life, this was the second biggest, most influential moment was, and really made, made all the difference, was uh, my Havrusa my said, Had I, have you heard Trump speak? I'm like, Trump speak? Why would I hear Trump speak? He says, you're not, this is 2016, he's like, you're not going to believe this? Donald Trump is running for president. And I said, no, you've got to be kidding me. He's like, it's serious. And you've got to hear him speak. I said, why do I have to hear him speak? He says, you just can't believe what comes out of his mouth. It's like one brain burp after the other. Like his brain's just burping, and he's just saying whatever he wants to say, and you just got to hear it. So, he says, listen, I'll line up the speech during lunch. You just pop by my table and you'll listen to a little bit of speech. I couldn't listen to much because I felt like my ears needed a mikvah after hearing it. But I listened for about 20 minutes until I finally hit pause because I just couldn't listen anymore to what he was saying, you know, coming out of a base midrash in Yerushalayim to have someone speaking like that. I mean, it was, it was really funny, but it was um, whatever. But this is how powerful we can be affected by media. The next day I get into my, my regular class at Asian Tour, I hit record, and stuff comes out of my mouth. I was so unfiltered. Crazy, I said crazy things in that class. And at the end of that class, we had a whole mock locus. We decided, do I press post or do I not post? Can I post such a video? And we had a whole mock locus. Some said post, some said not, and we couldn't decide what to do until finally I realized you can delete your post. So just press pause, and if Aisha Tora gets like a thousand phone calls for what kind of stuff's being said over there, we'll delete it. So I posted it. And I wound up with, instead of getting the regular, you know, in a day or two, getting a couple thousand views, it went up to like 20,000 views in like two days. And that was a major game changer for me. When I realized we're at a point in history where you've got to say what's important to be said. You can't mince words anymore. We're in a point in history where, where the truth needs to be told. And by saying the truth without any apologies, without any uh, making things sound good, not, not candy coating it, not making Jewish people look good or Froome people look good, but just saying truth always, just being truthful. Tell it like it is made a massive impact. Now, I had the, I had the, uh, the extra benefit of being a Balchuba because I don't have to worry about Shaduch. <laughs> <laughs> We're already past this. <laughs> so, meaning not everyone can do this. Baruch uh, Hashem, I, I didn't realize that because we live in Yerushalayim and the, the average Yerushalmi has no idea what I do at all. I 
mean, they just know me from the mikvah. <laughs> and the, so it turns out it doesn't affect our shidduchim anyway, because they have no idea. You know, they don't know that they could go online and watch me. You know? <laughs> so, anyway, uh, is there any water here? Just need a little water. Who's, that looks like one of the waters from our van. Yeah, I'll just use this water. It's fine. It's one of our brothers. Uh, I thought there was more in it. Okay, so believe it or not, that was all introduction with the lesson of saying that you got to tell the truth. And uh, oh, thank you so much. Oh, that's So everything exists in in order and chaos. Everything exists in order and chaos. When you go to a synagogue that's too orderly, there's no, it's like, you don't feel spirit there. You don't feel the spirituality if there's too much order in the show. I've been to these order shows. You just don't feel it. It's like the story of the Baal Shem Tov when they brought the, he was going with, to it. they were in a new town and, and the, and they, the, the people in that town wanted to show him the shul. And he gets right outside the shul and he just couldn't go in. They're like, why aren't you going in? He says, he says, I can't go in. Thank you very much. He says, I can't go in. The shul's full of prayers. The shul's full of prayers. And the guy said, what, a shul, isn't a shul supposed to be full of prayers? He says, no, those prayers are supposed to go out. Then there's, that's, that's order, that's Seder. Then there's chaos. Chaos, very good for the spirit. Spirit and chaos go together. But too much chaos brings anxiety. Too much chaos to get anxiety. When you make a risk, take a risk in business. Take a risk like, uh, like the gentlemen who've come with me to Texas are taking a risk putting their lives in my hands for the next five days in our little compound in Waco. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so then they're, they're, but they know the secret. They know the secret. Too much Seder, you feel dead inside. Too much order, you feel dead. Too much chaos, yeah, get anxiety. But the only way to grow is to inject chaos into the order of your life. Now there's English is order and chaos. Hebrew, Seder, and ready for chaos in Hebrew? Ka 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 chaos. Chaos. Something like that. But uh, we could call it tohu. And in, in, in Kabbalah, it's chesed and gevura. Chesed is chaos. Gevura is order. And they always exist together. 
So if you see, like, for example, this bottle is causing the order of the water inside, which is chaos, right? If I flip the bottle over, it's going everywhere. We're going to have chaos. But the bottle's holding it all together. There's a million things I could say right now, chaos. But my brain is making a, a, a it's ordering the, the words that come out into an order. And it's right in the balance of chaos and order where the magic of life happens. It's right in that balance. Not enough chaos, you feel dead. Too much chaos, you can't, you can't sleep. And God creates the world this way. The entire Bria comes from God's, you know, causing the Orient Sof to shoot into the world. But that is expansion, and expansion causes chaos. The more things expand, the more chaotic they get. The fancy word for that is entropy. Entropy is the chaos that comes from expansion. And then there's another aspect to Hashem's world that's called Gevura, or order. And that's how that, that infinite light is then filtered out via very specific oilamais, worlds. That the light actually becomes focused into our world here, into the physical world, which is order. An expanding universe should really expand out of control into absolute chaos. Yet we see there's an order. And we have names of God for this. The name for, of God for chaos is Shem Hashem, the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He, is the Shem of Chaos. And then we have a name for the order of the creation, and that's Shin Dalet Yud. She, that it is, die, enough, limitation. And that's what causes order. And the reason you're able to sit here in an orderly fashion, and that our Earth orbits the, orbits the Sun as it does, and the Moon orbits the Earth as it does, all of that is happening because of the shame, shin dalad yud. And if God were to remove that word from creation, our entire universe would go into absolute entropy and disappear. God doesn't have a name. All those names that we use for God are, are verbs. They're actions. Chaos is the flow outward, and shakai is the is the, uh, that which orders it. And we all have to create a balance of the two. We have to create the balance of the two professionally. We've got to create the balance of the two spiritually. One example that Rav Sholem Shachna Friedman, the Hornishtakel Rebbe in Beitar says, that you've got to go into shul with enough time to do Shemone Esrei by Zman Tefillah. However, once you get to shul, you must throw your watch away. You cannot pray to the clock. And you'll notice in a Hasidic shul, you'll never find a clock in the Mizrah. Go to Litvish shul, you'll find multiple clocks in the Mizrah. <laughs> but he says, you, you don't pray to the clock. Get there on time, so you can say your Shmoneh before it's month. The last hour to pray. But, and by the way, uh, now that they've changed the clocks, I think Sosman and the Gra is in, in 
in Houston is 926, something like that. Does that sound right? 926. Just one of my favorite. <laughs> so is my creation. So, in, in, so let's bring it back to our traditions, like as a Jewish people. That's order. That's order. Meaning to, for you to keep the, the minhag of Asenu, and not just the minhag, but the halachas and the holding on to the nevu of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's order. But to not do it your way, to not express it the way you'd express it, that would be order without the chaos. You need to express your Torah. Each one of us has a Torah to express. As it's said that uh, every person has a letter in the Torah. And you know if there's one letter missing from the Torah, so the whole Torah is puzzle. In Klai Yisrael, each one of us has a letter in the Torah. But what's your letter in the Torah? What's your expression? You know, after the war, the people who rebuilt Yiddishkeit in New York, there was just to recreate the order, an order that we had in Europe. It didn't have its eye, though, necessarily on the individual. And this goes also for, for community versus individual. Community is an order. You have to have it. You can't live without community. But there's also the individual. The individual represents chaos. In schools, the minahel, you know what a minahel is? Minal? Yeah, minahel means the someone from the person from hell. Minahel. <laughs> It's a female principle, it's a minha helis. Yeah, woman from hell. And then you just use her last name, Goldstein. Minha hell is a Goldstein. Woman from hell is Goldstein. Minha is. So, they represent order. Their job is order. And the easiest way to create order is to knock out as much individuality from the kids as possible so that you can sleep at night. How can we get rid of individuality in such a way that I get to sleep the night? And then I'll, and then I'll intimidate the parents and I'm gonna throw them out of their, our school if they don't behave, if the parents don't behave. But I, I've never been a minute hell. I, I don't know what it's like to try to sleep at night. Maybe I'd do the same thing. Maybe I'd also crush a generation. You know, we live in a, a world, especially here in the United States of ASA, USA, when in the United States of ASA, where individuality, just see right there, where individuality is like the name of the game, man, they, they don't have any concept of cloud. In, the, in, in America, everything is propped, everything's individual, no sense of cloud. And so it's a particularly dubious. And particularly, sorry, I shouldn't be using such fancy words. It's a particularly uh, dubious. dubious way to, to try to turn individuals into mashed potatoes in a country where everyone you see who's not from your community 
is the ultimate expression of individuality. And, if, and, and our Torah can handle individuals. In fact, what are we doing? What Parshas are we in now? We're in the Parshas of character development. These are the developments of these characters. You know the famous first Rashi where it says that the reason why the Torah starts with Rashi is, is, for, is when really it's instructions and it should have started many, many Parshas later. You know, 14 Parshas later. 15 parshas later, if it's a book of instructions, it should have started 15 parshas later. And then he goes on to say that the reason he did it was to let us know whose land Eretz Yisrael is. And the Sivas Sholem says, it's not just that. To get the instructions, that's for Klal, that's a Klaliistic Indian. Well, you're giving the instructions to individuals. So we're going to have 15 parshas of character development. Until finally Moshe Rabbeinu's character is fully developed. And the next thing you know, we're in the parshas of developing individuals. Understanding individuals. It's very interesting for, for people raised observant. When you're raised observant, you always have this monkey on your back. You can't live a day without being informed. You can't have a day that's not informed by what would my Zadie say? What would my Bubba say? So on the one hand, you have your desires for individuality. On the other hand, you have this desire to have to give nachas roch to your parents. And you somehow have to walk the tightrope of, of your individuality. You gotta walk the tightrope of your individuality while at the same time with a good sized rear view mirror to see your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents. And one of the biggest challenges for Bali Chu when, when they have the the uh, very challenging situation of trying to become part of a community. It's so challenging because, see, if you're raised secular, especially in America, your individuality is so powerful that when you see a community who's got their eyes on their bubbas, it's almost like they're sitting on the dashboard, driving, looking out the back window. And, and when you're raised with that level of individuality, that individuality becomes instinctual, and you feel like, wow, you know, this whole community lacks instinct. And the elders don't even want to find themselves. It's like you want to walk up to someone in shul and tell us, and fill and grab them by the lapels and scream, who are you? Who are you? And it's crushing, and eventually they just get crushed until they wake up or send me a WhatsApp. And I tell them, when they send me a WhatsApp, I tell them all the time, I say the following. I say, listen, you've got to understand, as a Baal 
All you've got is God and Torah. God and Torah, and that's not so bad. You got God, because God's God without all the community stuff. And Torah is a prophecy from 3,333 years ago. Did you guys know we're in 3333? 3333? Three, 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 three. Yeah, we're finally, I've been waiting for years for this. We're finally in 3333, three, 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 and everyone should know it, you know, because I, I mean, every Shavuos, I would say, this year is 3,323 years. This year is 3,324th. You know, when I got to 3,33, I was so excited to get my big Shavuos talk overlooking Harvey's. And, and this year, I, was, I wasn't even invited. You know, like Corona, you know. Building slows, you know. I find all I want to do is just can I just walk in the building and say three things? But the all we've got, I tell them, all you you don't have the only tradition. You don't, the only thing you're carrying from your parents is their genes. And here I literally mean like Levi's. That's about all you got from your parents. And so. You'll never understand the community. You'll never understand that need for order, for your own personal sanity. And boy, I've met a lot of people who are very far, very far from Brooklyn today, very far from Williamsburg, very far from Lakewood and Monroe and uh, Muncie and all these places. But there's, there's a shame in their heart shame in their heart because you can never leave, you can never leave the dead without the same. You can't leave that. And on the other hand, when I meet people like that, I'm so, there's a certain, I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud. I mean, I don't know what went down over there. I don't know what happened. Because, you see, you can get hurt in the, you can have your chesed hurt. If you remember Chesed's flow, that's the chaos. And that's your individuality. And that can get injured. And boy, does it. But you can also get hurt by Klaal. Klaal can hurt an individual. All it takes is being teased by a class to have your Klaal mess up for the rest of your life. So when you're, you know, you're at a Hasana 20 years later and everyone's dancing around, and you're like a wallflower. And people are like, and you, you're, you're frozen. You, 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 can't, you can't just get in a circle and dance around. Because your, your, your gavura got damaged. Your, your, your cloud. The order. There's damage there. You need to break it through. Hug therapy. But they both have to be happening. All of us have to have chaos in order at all times. You know, when I'm surfing, I was out last week in Ashdod on Thursday. Thursday, I was surfing Ashdod. And the waves were really big. And I had my mountain bike in my car in case they weren't. Little insurance policy. And, and I was out there surfing. And the, the waves were really quite big. They were higher than this balcony up here. And, um, but it's like chaos and order. It's chaos and order. Me riding the wave is perfect order. 
in absolute chaos of a wave. And one wrong move, and me and the chaos are going to be going together. And that, ha that did happen once uh, out there. And then you have to turn your body into a total ragdoll because you can't use any of your strength in that situation. You gotta, you're going to need your strength. When the wave finally lets you go, now you've got to swim up. So you want to save your strength, so you go full ragdoll. That's chaos and order. And then Friday, Friday I had to go get a PCR test. And, and I actually, um, <laughs> Friday I had to get a PCR test and I actually uh, went to the wrong place, which is why I'm standing in front of you right now. Um, thankfully, when my secretary said you can go anywhere, what she was trying to say was, go to a pharmacy that gives PCR tests. It doesn't matter which one. <laughs> so that's what she meant from you can go anywhere. But when I hear you can go anywhere and I'm a yid, you know, I'm thinking, I'm going to go to the Kupat Cholim Maccabi and get a free test. And get a free test. Why? Because I'm still in Bidud. I'm still in quarantine. So like, <clears throat> I'm going to go get, because I can get a free test once you get out of quarantine. I'll go get my free test. Anyway, after I got my test, I, of course, looked back and guess what was still in my car from yesterday? My mountain bike. My water pack and all my pads and my boots and everything. And I said, I'm going riding. This was Eric Shabbos. And I went riding. And I had two of my worst falls in 10 years, five minutes apart, which is a whole separate subject. And it was amazing. Next to me in the, in the Next to me was this large black man in the plane flying over here. And uh, his name was Rashad. And he said to me, when I told him I, I'm a little battered and bruised from this wipeout, he said, wipeouts? I hadn't fallen like that in 10 years, and I fell twice in five minutes. He said, he said to me something like, Rashad said something like, what was going on with you? that you would lose your concentration like that. Like he was asking me a deeper question. And, I, and the answer was chaos. The answer was chaos. Because I live my life, you know, I, I, I travel a lot, I work really hard. But when I get back to Yerushalayim, I'm like 18 years old. And I'm, I'm either on my way to surf, I'm on my way to mountain bike, I'm on my way to the Schwitz, but I'm like a kid. And I was feeling a little guilty for that. I was feeling like, like, there's not enough Seder here. There's too much chaos. And I just passed a large group of mountain bikers from the north of Israel coming down my trail. And I was about 30 feet away from me was a, a very difficult part of the trail where most people fall. So I let out a little prayer for the mountain bikers that are going to be coming down in another 10 minutes. And I let out a little prayer, Shem, please protect them when they hit that. Bang! And my pedal hits a rock on the right, stops, I'm going like 25 miles per hour, stops my bike short, and I'm doing full Superman. Just like, whoosh. Went into a roll, laid down for a moment, got up, got back on my bike and said to myself, you know, this was part B of A, B, and C. I said, when I get to part B, I part C, I should just go home. Zerif Shabbos, just go home. That's a message from God. However, when I was racing out of Part B, 
going into part C, you catch major air flying into part C, and then you then the whole thing just becomes giant S turns down a mountain. Well, with all that speed coming out of part B, guess what I did? I went into part C. And this time of the year, there's uh, it's a little bit loose, the dirt, a lot of little what we call baby heads or just little little rocks. One of those, one of those, well, ripping along, one of those baby heads took my front tire out. And next thing I know, I'm just bam into the earth. And then I just laid there, like seeing stars. The beauty of mountain biking is chaos and order. Because the trail is ordered, the sides of the trail, which sometimes are steep things or cliffs or whatever are chaos and I am I'm feathering the brakes as I go down I'm feathering the brakes with micro adjustments right between chaos and order too much brakes the trail's no longer interesting not enough brakes you can fly right off of it into absolute chaos that's where life happens is right in the balance of chaos and order. If your life's too much order and you're bored, take some risks. If your life's too risky and you can't sleep at night, get some order. But there I was, totally ignoring my inner voice for order. Mr. Chaos himself, in part C, I'm gonna finish my ride. Now, what do you guys think? You think I, after I got my PCR test, I called my wife to say, what do you think if I went riding? After two weeks, I'd been in Israel for two weeks of nothing but, you know, this kind of behavior. You think I called my wife? Let's all in favor that I did call my wife before I went riding. Raise your hand. Exactly. <laughs> And here I was, just battered and bruised from having gone too far into chaos. And God just showed me, like, you, you have to understand, not, I write a lot, and not falling in a decade, and then falling twice in five minutes at high speeds, in total, you know, yes. crazy falls. All of us have to strike this balance. A lot of us have to heal. Those of us who, those of us who have had our, you know, we got bit too hard by chaos, like I got bit on Friday. So we feel like we never want to take another risk again. I'm never going to risk my heart again in a relationship. Because I, I got hurt going into the chaos of love. Or the opposite of, of my, my, I got hurt by the claw. The claw injured me. And now I, I, I don't know how to relate anymore. Well, I gotta heal that. We gotta live that balance. Sometimes it requires healing one of those parts. But this is such a perfect and easy formula for all of us to live powerful and meaningful lives.
is to be right in that balance between chaos and order. And that's what it means to make a lachayim. Because lachayim is chaos. You're, you're jiggling up the, syst the operating system. Like, why would any, you don't see this in nature, right? Koala bears eat eucalyptus leaves, not peyote. You know, uh, what do they got in Texas? Uh, what kind of animals you got around here? Horses? Armadillo. <laughs> they have armadillo? What? Longhorn, like, bison or longhorn uh, deer type thing? So whatever, they, they eat grass, right? They don't drink bourbon. <laughs> so, like, we're the only species that's got to, like, jiggle it all up. Because we love it. We love it. We love to play with chaos. We love it. We love it. That's where the magic is. That's the way tefillah should be. That's the way a shul should be. Our Yiddishkeit has to be right on the balance of order and chaos. It's got to be something that our altar brothers would recognize, our altar zedis would recognize, but at the same time, it's got to be progressing and pushing through, especially as individuals. Because when you get your Shemona Esra, yeah, you look exactly like everyone else in Shemona Esra. But, but it's yours. It's your Shemona Esra. You express it the way you express it. I'll just finish with this. Every time I say the words in Nishmas, every time I say the words in Nishmas, chaos. The one God who wakes up the sleepers and make, who makes his nadomi, and he awakens the nappers. And he gives voice to the mute. How many people are asleep? Big time. How many people are just napping in their lives? How many people have lost their own voice? How many people have their hands tied behind their back from their self-expression? And how many people have made grave mistakes in their behavior and are falling all the time? How many people are bent over because they haven't listened to their own voice, their own moral contract within their hearts? They've breached their own red lines. And God causes to appear those who are hidden. Which is why I wanted this gentleman, Shimon, to introduce me. Whenever I say that, I'm under my talus on Shabbos, but my talus doesn't end here where my back is, like a usual talus. My talus goes way back. It's a giant train, like a wedding dress train. And underneath all of that is everyone I'm praying for. 
We're all moiding you. We're all recognize you, Hashem. I always have in mind everybody when I say that. And so, and so, when you live like that, everywhere, you never go anywhere stum. You never go anywhere stum. And, and here we've been planning this trip to Texas all this time. I have no idea how I'm speaking in this community right now. <laughs> it's like, it's just the wildest thing, but it, it's just the way it is, is that, is that you're never, ever anywhere stunned. I want all of you to leave tonight knowing that everywhere you'll ever go, business trips, or you're just in the store and there's an interaction, but it's never stunned. It's never, it's never, what's the word stunned in English for English speaker? It's never coincidence or by chance. It's all scheduled events. Again, I'd only be here Oh, I forgot the, I'll finish that story. So I went and got the free PCR. Motsi Chavez, I get a call from my secretary. She's like, yeah, I see your PCR result. She sees all my stuff. She says, I see your PCR result. It says, not for flights. I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, they don't want people taking advantage of the, getting the free PCR. So they put not for flights. And she's, I'm like, what am I going to do? And she's like, you got to race to the airport. I said, but my flight's on for five hours. She's like, tough luck. I'm sending you a driver. Be ready in five minutes. I'm not, I wasn't going to pack for another two hours. I wouldn't pack. I pack as quick as I can. Five minutes later, I get taken to the airport. I get my quick tests. Take, they said it's up to four hours. I'm like, what? Of course, they let me in front of everybody. It was very nice. I asked who the manager was. He, he just immediately processed me, brought me in the front, gave me my, my little... Uh, thing up the nose. And anyway, but I thought, you know, since I'm at the airport this early, I want to chill in the lounge. I don't want to chill out here. I want to go in. So I went up to the, to the ladies behind the counter and I said, uh, yeah, I got this, this PCR that says no flights, but can you call your supervisor and see if I can get in? And so she said, uh, she said, yeah, no problem. Call the supervisor. I said, yeah, let him in. So, so I'm a frequent flyer. They know me more or less. So, so he says, let him in. And, and then she says, wait a second. Do you have a vaccination card? I'm like, vaccination? No, I don't know. you don't need a vaccination to go to the US. And she says, she says, well, if you're not vaccinated, the US has a new rule that you have to have your PCR within 24 hours. Your PCR is from Friday morning. And I look at the lady and I said, do you know what a miracle this is? And she's like, what kind of miracle is this? I'm like, I have a PCR that I took, you know, a half hour ago in the airport for tonight only because I went to the wrong place. And she says, yeah, I've been feeling terrible. All these people keep not getting on their flights. And I so, felt so bad to tell you, you're not getting on your flight. I said, no, it was all meant to be. And now all my graduates here at the Possible U you know exactly why that happened. Although I'm gonna test you. Who can tell me the word that is why I got LSD? Large Siata Deshmaya. Okay? Commitment. Say it louder. Commitment. 
commitment. How do you get large siyata deshmaya? Get fully committed to things. Be all in. Burn the bridge backwards. Stop taking little exits along the way. Don't let God see any exits in your life that you might take. There's no way out. Get all in when you do something. Go all in, and you get siyat and And so, I literally wouldn't be standing right here right now if it wasn't for an incredible siyat and that that all happened. And it's also very cathartic for me to understand my wipeouts on the bike. Uh, because I never was able to put it together. I, I, as I was saying the stories, I put it together with the chaos and the order. And this 18-year-old, that's still kind of mopping the floor with my 53-year-old body. That 18-year-old is going to grow up this trip. We're going into the prairie now. We're literally leaving now as I finish this. We're going into the prairie now to transform our lives. We're all going into really transform ourselves and I knew leaving Israel that my transformation had to do with with Johnny, my 18 year old. And and to really like take my life back from him. Not gonna stop mountain biking. But chaos and order, tradition and individuality, conserving the past while yet progressively moving headlong into the future. All of that has to happen, and, and I myself have that work to do now. And so with no further ado, I'm going to ask all of the participants of the, the Texas mission to uh, make their way out to the van. I want to thank Rabbi Ari Winkler for uh, enjoy, inviting us here. Thank you very much, everyone, and it was a pleasure to speak to the community. Maybe, maybe somehow I'll, I'll do it again one day. L'chaim. L'chaim. L'chaim.